Welcome to Drinks at Work by Boothby with Sam Bygrave. That's me, and this is a show about building creative and rewarding careers in and around the world of drinks. This episode, I'm talking to James Christopher, who is one third of the ownership trio behind Sydney City rum distillery, Bricks. Bricks began in 2017 and opened a distillery and bar on Burke Street in Surrey Hills. They've been laying down rum ever since, and this year they've had a couple of breakthroughs on their journey. They've reached the point now that they don't need to import older aged spirit from Barbados and instead are bottling rum that has been made from molasses all the way through to spirit at the Burke Street site. They've also just picked up nationwide distribution through South Trade International, which effectively expands their small Sydney sales team into a national outfit with sales reps everywhere. So I talked to James about how Bricks got started, the hurdles they faced along the way, whether or not rum is really this next big thing in spirits that we keep hearing about, and he also shares some advice on how you too might get started building a brand or a distillery of your own. It's a good chat. So let's get into it now. Here's my interview with James Christopher from Bricks. James Christopher, thanks for joining me on Drinks at Work from Boothby. Sam, thanks very much for having me. It's exciting to be here. I've uh, been looking forward to an opportunity to chat to you about this. It's great. Thank you. Well, oh, uh, you know, as a Queensland, I'll take any chance to talk rum. So. Uh, <laughs> There's quite a bit going on with Bricks at the moment. You've just signed, um, you know, a national distribution deal with South Trade International. You got some new SKUs on the way. But before we get into that, I wanted to get into a brief bit about sort of a brief bit about your origin story and and how, you know, Bricks came to life. But how how did you get into the business to start with? Um, well, essentially, there's three of us who who founded Bricks. Three three uh, um, from the start. Um, I've got a hospitality background, so I've been in in the hospitality industry for since I was, you know, a young taker from 17 years old, yeah. working in pubs and bars and restaurants and all that business through throughout um, Sydney and Melbourne. Um, born and bred in Sydney, moved to Melbourne, worked, moved back to Sydney and opened my own places up here, bars and cafes and restaurants. And um, and essentially, um, as I started to, to, to grow into my career, into my own career, I, I sort of teamed up with my two now current business partners, uh, Damien and Sid. Um, we're old, old mates from way back. Uh, Damien and I went to school together and yep. Sid and Damien are friends from, from a young age as well. So, um, from an early stage, we were all, you know, got on really well, which was great. And we opened a, a, a bar in, um, Camaray on the North Shore in Sydney. Shout out to Camaray. Awesome little <laughs> area over there. Um, and we're operating there for a number of years, but essentially the, the story with Bricks is that we, we, um, used to sit around and have a drink after work as you do and we all used to sit around and drink rum um and we um this is probably we're talking maybe eight eight nine years ago we all used to sit around and drink rum and chat and we were just rum loving guys and we'd sit around and have a drink instead of drinking whiskey and, and that sort of stuff we were really into the rums yeah and being in the industry we had seen what was happening with with the whole craft movement especially in the beer world we'd watched all that happen um, and we had beers on tap there. So we saw all the likes of, of you know, the, the bolters and, and the mountain goats you know, go through and explode and build and, and then all these new guys coming along and, and industry really formed. Yeah. But then sort of, sort of a bit more relevant is that the craft spirits industry and we'd, we'd sit around and drink uh, our rum at the end of the night and have a good old chat and what are we going to do next and what's going to be our next dream and what, you know, we always plan to open another venue. Right. And take the concept we had and, and and build another little suburban you know bar restaurant somewhere and, and have a couple of them going. Mm. But we were sitting around drinking. I remember this moment. It was like a light bulb moment. We're drink, sitting around drinking Ronza Kappa, which is yep. a great rum and um, beautiful, sort of more on the premium end. 
and we'd look at the shells and see, oh, you know, that, that um, Archie Rose is doing really well and Four Pillars, they've come along well. And, and you know, look at Starwood, they're doing the whiskey. And look at all those amazing Tassie whiskies winning these awards and, you know, gold medals across the world. But we'd have a rum in our hand from, you know, South America. We'd be like, yeah. why, is, why is there no rum? What's happening with the rum world? Why is no one doing anything with rum in Australia? It seems mm. odd that all these gin and whiskey is really booming and no one's doing anything with rum. Um, and so that sort of just triggered a, a bit of a research phase. And we, we actually thought there was maybe a legal reason or some sort of process reason that you couldn't actually do it in Australia. So we, right. we started to research and, and sort of travel around and ask distilleries and ask other people in the industry, what, what's, why don't you make rum? Why, why is no rum? And the, the, the essential answer is that no one had a reason. Yeah, right. we, they, were, they were just like, I don't know, we just make whiskey. Yeah, we right. just do whiskey. There was definitely, and there's definitely some, some people been around a lot longer than us, but it wasn't really um, being pushed into the craft uh, movement, into that, into mm. that phase that going into mainstream um, and obviously led by, by a couple of the, 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 now the larger brands now, but at the time they weren't, they were really the, yeah. the, you know, the leaders of the industry, but no one was really taking that lead with rum. And so, yeah, we just sort of uh, went down that path. And, and I remember on a, Three of us went down to Tasmania and, and chatted to a bunch of whiskey distilleries down there. And there was a, a little bit of rum here and there down there, but not mm. too much because obviously that's not, you know, sugarcane world down you, there. But you don't think you don't think it's Tasmania. You don't think it's sugarcane. No, no. But there was a couple <laughs> of little experimental things going on. Anyway, we, we chatted to a few people, a few key players down there, and they were very supportive of us. And they they said, "You guys need to do this. Go back and." put your foot down and go for it because someone needs to do this. Yeah. Um, and it was on the plane back from that trip that we were, we were just, you know, hell bent on, right, we're doing it. So we, we put our bar on the market yeah. um, and we put all in for, for starting up bricks. Right. So that's a, that's a big, that's a big, uh, you know, gamble to take. That's all your chips mm. in on the table. Let's go. Did it worry you that no one had really done rum before? Was it, did you think that maybe there's a reason why people hadn't done it was because, I don't know, maybe it wasn't as popular as it was going to be. I remember the chat over the last, you know, the last 10 to 15 years in bars. Yeah. Rum's always been this, like, next big thing. Like, sure. the moment for rum is coming. The moment for rum is coming. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that's <laughs> something that you really want to see happen. Definitely. I'm not sure if it's happened just yet. Well, hopefully, as I'll say, as you just say, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> but, but definitely from, um, yes, it was, it was, very intense and very stressful putting everything all in and but we were we're you know very passionate about what we do and we're very as i said before hell-bent on making this happen because uh, we believe it's it's got legs we know that australia has a huge strong history with rum um way back to early settlement days um and there should and we have amazing obviously have amazing sugarcane growing regions we have amazing uh wine and beer makers around the country using barrels so we have the barrels in the country to to utilize them for rum um but but yeah i mean it, it is it is definitely from when we started uh you know seven years ago when we started our little sort of all-in journey let's go um the conversation then was uh very much oh i don't know about rum i don't know about <laughs> rum but what we've yeah. seen happen especially over the past sort of two to three years is that um a huge change in the in the um, conversation a lot more small producers uh, are making rum now. A lot more rum-dedicated distilleries are opening up around the, the country. So it, there really is a bit of a movement happening. 
And it's just down to, you know, education and, and getting the consumer on board to understand what Australian rum is and, and what it can be. And not only Australian rum, but rum in general, you know, just to, to build yeah. the category. Yeah, I think sometimes with the rum brands, it's often people call it by a brand. Mm. They might not even know that it's rum sometimes, you know. Mm. You have, you know, people calling it Bacardi. They don't necessarily know that that's mm. a light white rum or, or Bundaberg yep. even, right? Mm. It's just Bundaberg. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and when we opened our bar and distillery in, in Surrey Hills, whatever it was, five years ago, um, the amount of people that would come in and just flat out say, oh, no, nah, I don't like rum, I don't like rum. No. <laughs> and then uh, you sort of- But it's a problem. You know? Yeah, of course, it is very much the same conversation. <laughs> it's just got that image problem, right? Yeah. Um, and it's just about talking to them and, and letting them understand that, hang on, the rum that you uh, think is what the rest of the rum in the world is- that's not how it is. The other, the other good one is, is when you, when they come in and, and say, I don't like, I don't like rum, and you'd say, much to what you've said before, do you like mojitos? Do you like pina coladas? And they're like, oh, favourite cocktail, favourite cocktail mojito, favourite cocktail pina colada. Like, yeah. Well, you do like rum, so hate to break yeah. it to you. Yeah. yeah, Tom Bournemouth said to me once, I was like, yeah, I'm not that much a fan of rum, really. And he's like, you're an idiot, Sam. How many dashes do you drink? I'm exactly, like, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, you only do rum. Mm. Uh, you were opening up at a time where, like a lot of Australian distilleries, a lot of small craft distilleries, will open up and they're gonna. They do. They tend to do more than one just one spirit category, right? You have gin, mm. often gin, because that's a way to get money into the in the mm. till while you're aging a whiskey or whatever. Um, you don't do that. How has that affected the business in your early days? And um, what did you guys have to do instead to try to get that revenue coming in? Um, yeah, it was definitely a conversation early on. Mm. Uh, that we had and uh, how do we pay the bills how do we make our mark on the on the industry and what are we actually trying to do and when we really sat down and thought about it we we knew we were rum people and we wanted to really um uh sort of lead the charge on this rum category the australian rum category um and the, I guess the, the conversation was that if we do gin or if we do something else in the meantime or, or liqueurs or something like that, which is very quick and very easy to do, uh, which is, you know, ultimately the main reason why whiskey producers make gin is to to, to sort of pay the bills in the, in the meantime while they're aging their whiskey. Mm. Um, uh, it, it's, it just sort of didn't make sense to us what, for what we were trying to do. We were trying to be... Um, uh, for lack of a better word, pioneers of the of the rum category and really sort of showcase. That's yeah. why we set up in the middle of Surrey Hills because we wanted to put rum in people's faces and say, look, come and try it. If, you know, it's the yeah. middle of the city. There's no reason why you shouldn't um, come in and try and just have a look and have a, have a taste, have a smell, yeah. have, a, have a, you know, chat. I do and, want to ask um, you about that. Like, why, like mm. you're, you're in Burke Street in Surrey Hills. There must have been cheaper places to set up a distillery. Uh, yeah. And especially, you know, what, why was... Why was that important? Was it just that you don't want to get in people's faces or is that another element to sort of getting some, you know, revenue coming through? Um, probably a little bit of both, but mostly because we wanted to be to be eyes on. We wanted people to see our brand and see the word rum and understand a little bit more. We knew that people knew about whiskey and love whiskey. We knew that people knew about gin and love gin. And if you really want to um, source and, and, and hunt down your, your favourite whiskey or gin distillery, you'll really make the effort to go there. Yeah. But we thought that with rum, there's just still that um, youth to the category. So we really have to uh, take the front foot and, and really get in front of people's faces and, and say, here we are. 
get in here and try and, and, and have a look at how it's done because we, we knew that the, the biggest thing that we needed and still do need to achieve is consumer education around rum. Yeah. Um, getting people in to understand what rum is, how it's made. That essentially, you know, it's it's made exactly the same way as whiskey, just with a different base ingredient. It's. Mm. I don't think people quite um, understand that that love and that passion goes into uh, what we do the same way that the whiskey guys do it. So yeah, um, we really wanted to be in front of people and, and showcase rum as a, especially as in, as also in in Surrey Hills being the. The restaurant, you know, suburb and capital of, of Sydney being the creative hub of Sydney, a great little local demographic there of people who live in the area. So we had an instant audience of, of people in the, in, the, in the hospitality world, in the creative world, people who love to try new things and, and you know, go and have different experiences. And also people who just want a new local bar to hang out in, you know, yeah. who live in their neighbourhood. So it was a really, really good spot. Around there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about <laughs> that. <laughs> um, so... Instead of making gin or whatever, mm. with rum in Australia, you've got to age it for two years. Correct. Uh, how, how did you guys navigate that issue then? Were you buying, buying in rum? We were, yeah. So, so um, that's probably the biggest hurdle at the moment of starting a, a rum and, and whiskey and brandy, essentially. They all come under the same law, that, that yeah. two-year aging law. You cannot call your product rum until it's been aged for two years. So essentially, we started with um, an unaged white cane spirit which we call Bricks White, which we didn't have rum on the label, um, which um, also a very hard conversation to navigate. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's just part of the education process. We, uh, we started with a spice rum as well, and that was sort of a way for us to, to um, tap into, the, into what people did know about rum, and that's a huge ca- uh, part of the category, spice rum, and it's still growing. But then we also imported rum from Barbados. We wanted to have a, a rum on our, in our portfolio, an aged rum that we could say, um, this is what rum is. When you uh, here's, here's an example of an unaged uh, rum. Well, not technically yeah. rum, but here's an example of a, of a, of a case spirit. Here's an example of a rum that's been in barrel for, well, the one we imported was, was a five- and eight-year-old blend. We wanted to have a very good quality rum to showcase what good rum is. Um, and here's a, 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 an example of a spice rum, which really, you know, you, you know what that is. You know how to treat that. So we really wanted to show the the, um, the spectrum of rum and how it changes through its lifespan and, and get people to understand that, okay, white rum is one thing, aged rum is one thing, and spice rum is another thing, and, yeah. and to show the variance and show the, the difference. In, but, but the importing part definitely was a way for us to pay the bills, essentially the 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 aged rum, believe it or not, was our you know in, in inverted commas our gym uh, <laughs> while we waited for our rum to come along. So um, and now we're really happy to say we're at the point where we don't need to be doing that anymore, and, and we have yeah. our own rum ready to go. So yeah, yeah. So so how much? So now um, how much of that process from you know the sugar cane growing to mm. it being put in a bottle? How much of that are you guys doing yourselves? Well, we source molasses. So there are there are a few products that we've done along the way by working directly with sugarcane farmers and going up and, and sort of picking a, a, a plot of, of sugarcane and yeah. having it harvested and sent to us overnight to make to make sort of an agricole uh, style uh, unaged rum. And that's very, very small batches. Just once again, yeah. to educate and show people what molasses rum is as opposed to sugarcane juice rum. Um, but that, that's really a way we can 
go directly to the source and, and pick the, the plot of, of shooting cane that we want to, to work yeah. with. Uh, but essentially, we source molasses. So it's all about sourcing the best quality molasses that we can find. How, um, how do you do that? What's the, what's the, where does one go to find enough molasses to make rum from? Well, essentially, the molasses comes from the, the sugar refineries around the country. So, so that's their byproduct. They are crushing sugar cane to make sugar, to crystallize sugar for obviously for sugar production. But what's left over is this, this you know, heavy, thick molasses syrup, which, which is used for um, uh, rum all around the world. I think something like 90, 94% yeah. of the world's rum is made from molasses. So, so we, but we, we essentially um, surveyed molasses from all around the country, from refineries, in, from Victoria all the way up the east coast to far north Queensland, yeah. and settled on a on a really um, super premium high quality molasses, which is what they call refinery grade molasses. Um, right. Come comes from Bundaberg Sugar Refinery, so that's you know obviously Bundaberg rums up there, but but that's where we feel the sugarcane grows at its peak um, up up the coast. Um, the the temperature and the climate and the rainfall and the soil yeah. there is is really great for growing sugar cane. What what are the qualities you're looking for in in a in a molasses? Well, it depends what you're trying to achieve, really. Yeah. Um, everyone has a different vision. It's it's not we're not all trying to create the same thing. So it yeah. depends on what you're trying to create. Obviously, uh, for us, wanting to really um, uh, educate and and bring people into rum, we wanted to have a product that was approachable. Um, and, and people could really uh, understand without sort of having their head blown off with funky esters and weird sort of <laughs> wacky flavors, which yeah. we'll get more into that stuff as we go along a bit down the track. But but initially, we really wanted like a nice, clean, smooth molasses with nice caramel notes, nice sort of toffee notes, and and something a little bit funky in there that 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 could be created, which is what we we, we got from Bundaberg Refinery, and that was this really nice little note of, of sort of fennel licorice okay, that came cool. through on, on the back end. So when you try our, our unaged rum, it really comes through in the, in the cane spirit. It, there's this like little herbaceous uh, fennel note, which really comes through. That's coming from the, the yeah, plant right. and from the molasses, from the sugar cane all the way through the production process. So that's really cool to, to be able to follow that flavor note all the way through. And that's consistent from this, the output of this refinery over time, is it? That kind well, of for 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 the molasses we source, yeah, that's yeah. there's something in the makeup, there's something in the soil yeah, or the cool. or the cane or something. What happens in the whatever happens in the in the refinery process of the sugar? There's this really nice herbaceous note left behind, and, and we really love that because it just added this little you know note of something unique, um, and that's that's where we sort of uh, have landed it, and we're really super super happy with it. So it's been been really great. And so you're taking that molasses and you're doing everything on site is it on site at, at bricks in yeah so we, we we bring <laughs> talk about you know <laughs> logistics nightmare um we bring molasses in a thousand liters at a time so that's yeah. uh it's it's sort of like a big um uh what they call it an ibc big plastic thousand liter vat and that right. comes in and we break that down into batches in, into 200 liter batches and we ferment 200 liters of molasses at a time so it's a really like a batch style system um, and we just sort of bring one in and that tub empties and, and we convert that into the spirit and then we bring another one in and we take the spirit over. We've got a warehouse over in, in the, in, we ran out of space very quickly. So we've got a warehouse in, in St. Yeah, Peter's in, 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 in the West. It's not, it's not that big. You know? Yeah. And we, and, and we, this is how naive we were when we first opened. We were, we were setting up and, you know, let's put the tanks there. Let's put the still there and we'll put this, yeah. you know, hundred seater bar in there and that'll yeah. be right. That space over there, that'll be fine. And after about after about a month, 
the, the three of us, uh, obviously our, our head distiller, Shane Casey, is, is pivotal in what we do uh, and he's yeah. sort of the fourth um, arm now. He's heavily involved in everything we do, but he, he sort of started with us six months, 12 months before we opened and we had our, you know, uh, design scribbled down on the back of a napkin sort of stuff and he yeah. came in and sort of said, guys, you are kidding yourselves and tore it up and sort of redesigned it. With it worked with the space that we had essentially and, and it's very quickly about – Six or eight weeks in, we were like, uh-oh, we're going to need a, a bigger boat sort of thing. So we, we offered some warehouse space. Yeah. So, so somewhere in Petersham? In no, St. Peter's, yeah, over the St. sort Peter's, of the back, so. of, back of Alexandria there. So yeah. just a, just in an industrial site. That, that's it, where does we- Does the, the terroir there matter to the way the, the rum is aging and, and the characters that it develops? Or? Um, well, <laughs> I think that there's definitely a Sydney, there's a Sydney yeah. element, yes, with our, with our crazy um, weather system that rolls through and, and just yeah. hits us sometimes and the spikes in heat and the dips in, in, in cold the and yeah, the humidity and- yeah. Definitely. And even even we originally, when we first started, we had about 15 barrels sitting at the front door of the bar next to the still. And so it was really interesting. We've just started to release some of our first um, uh, barrel expressions over the past sort of six months or so. And yeah. some of those barrels are the barrels that were sitting at the front uh, window there at the, right. next to the still as you walk in. And it was really interesting because in the afternoon, the sun would come through the front window and hit yeah. the barrels on one side. And then the barrels in the centre didn't have any sunlight. And then the barrels on the other side, they got the heat from the still. So they were right, literally 30 centimetres away from the still, probably not the best, you know, course of action, and I wouldn't recommend it. But, but the, the, um, <laughs> we've fixed it all now, don't worry. But the, it was interesting to see the, the heat from yeah. the sunlight and the heat from the still really affected those barrels differently to the barrels that were sitting in the middle. It's They're yeah. sitting 30 centimetres away from each other and they're totally different products. So... Talk about Tawar, we're talking about Tawar within a room, which is, which is um, you know, pretty, pretty interesting. But, yeah, now we've got all our products over it, all our barrels over at St. Peter's and, and um, you know, they're, they're not temperature controlled or anything. They're just, uh, they're just sitting there waiting to be pulled from. So, uh, Well, we'll get on to, I think this probably is a good place to um, bring us to talking about the new SKUs we've got going. What, what are the SKUs that you've got at the moment? Like, you said that there's three more to come that are coming out shortly. Well, yeah, essentially we've we've um, signed we've signed a distribution agreement with South Trade recently, which is fantastic. We've also rebranded all of our our whole um, line, and we've developed a whole yeah. new range of, of 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 our core range rums. So essentially, like we said before, we were importing rum uh, from Barbados. That was our Bricks Gold rum, uh, and that's what we've had for for four years or so. Um, and our Bricks White was an unaged, 100% unaged uh, spirit that, that came straight off the still in Surrey Hills. And our Bricks Spice Rum was sort of a, a combination of uh, the, the gold rum from Barbados and also uh, infusions that were done into the white rum. So that was sort of a, a blending sort of process that, that was a, a real um, uh, huge time thing. And it still is a bit of a time constraint, but, but it's, a, it's a labor of love essentially. But now that we've stopped importing rum we ha- and we have enough rum of age of our own stock, uh, we can now start to work with that. We can stop the Barbados stuff coming in. Beautiful stuff. And thank you very much. That was amazing to, to be able to have access to that liquid. But but now we really want to showcase our own uh, Sydney-made rum. So um, our, our, our cane spirit is now uh, a blend of that unaged spirit, about 70%, yeah. and 30% 
of that of of Brick's cave spirit is now aged rum, which has been um, aged for sort of two and a half to three and a half years, depending on which barrels are of of a, of of age and ready to go. And we can uh, then charcoal filter that that liquid, take the colour out of it, and blend it into the the what is essentially the white rum. And we can um, uh, add a bit more depth and a bit more roundness and a bit more body to the to the spirit. So it's you, it, those who may have known who may have known Brits White in the past, uh, very fresh, very vibrant, sort of jump out of the glass. And now it's you'll see that it's a little bit more rounded and a bit softer and has a bit more um, depth of flavour there, a bit more character. So then we've got um, obviously the Bricks Gold has has been uh, stopped imported and we stopped being imported. So obviously the Bricks Gold has now stopped being imported and we have our own stock to draw from. So our new core range rum is is Australian rum. So uh, that is um, a, a two and a half to three and a half year old blend of rums which has been aged in Australian red wine casks. Um, and that's something that we can really sort of uh, showcase now what we've been doing for the past four or five years to, to put together this product is what we really set out to achieve, you know, seven years ago. We only now are at the point where we can put it out. So that sort of gives an idea of the, the time that you need to start up a, a rum distillery or, or a whiskey <laughs> distillery even. Um, yeah. And then our spice rum now also incorporates um, our own rum and it was incorporating some of the Barbados rum, but that now has uh, a blend of our own uh, rum with, and that's infused with with um, a whole bunch of Australian fruits and nuts and spices. So that's a really lovely product and, and we're, that's really another way we can showcase um, growers and produce from around the country and bring sort of native Australian ingredients into the conversation and Australian grown uh, produce to, to what we're doing. So yeah, that's, uh, they're the three new, new products and, and we're really, really excited to see them. They, they just hit the market from April one and we're yeah. super keen to see them out in the market and see what, um, bartenders do with them, but also to see them in, in bottle shops and in people's homes around the country, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. Um, and it's funny that, you know, you have to have done all these things just to, to, I guess, to get the products that you wanted initially to have out, out, you know. Um, it's quite a journey so far. But one of those steps along on that journey is now, as you mentioned, the uh, deal with South Trade for a national distribution. What's uh, how, how does this deal happen and, and why is this such a big important thing for a distillery to have happen for them? Um, look, it is a huge step. It's obviously something that we um, uh, have been working on for a couple of months with the South Trade team. We sort of came together just because um, we have mutual, obviously, a mutual interest in the industry, but but mutual um, respect for the Australian spirits category. And and South Trade do an amazing job with with new young brands in building new brands into the market. And we really saw them as the the way that we could. Uh, take the next step in our journey and, and grow and, and really take our, our product and our brand to the to the next level. Obviously, we couldn't add, uh, uh, sign an agreement with like this unless we had enough liquid to offer the country. So that was the first step was to put a lot of work over right. the past three, four years into putting as many barrels down as we could so that we could then have a discussion with a, with a distributor that would take us around the country. They're, they're, you know, no distributor is in the game of just only having very limited product. They want to have access to, to product for for, um, for the whole country to, to enjoy. So so we put a lot of work into, into putting as many barrels down as we could. 
Um, and then we were at a point where we, where we thought we were ready to start having these conversations and, and, and to discuss how do we actually take the, take the leap and, and um, talk to the right people about, about um, signing distribution agreements so that we can mm. um, essentially have our, our sales team go from, you know, three or four people uh, to around 50 around the country, which is just a, an amazing leap for a brand um, to yeah. all of a sudden have exposure to to uh, the industry in so, at so many touch points, but also it, it allows you to um, have serious conversations with with bigger uh, outlets, you know, um, and to where you would normally sort of just sort of get held back and as a small brand and, and you know, people like uh, uh, Woolworths and Coles and, and, and chains of, of, of bottle shops and large groups of hospitality groups, and they would sort of, sort of keep you at a, at a distance they keep you in but they wouldn't go all in because they're they're not quite confident in in whether you can back up if they if they do decide to really put you at the forefront uh yeah. but now this this has really sort of allowed us to to um have a bit more of a, a presence in the market but also have a bit more serious conversation with with bigger groups and then sort of it gives us more of an idea of what we can commit to in years moving forward um, and as we grow, we, we'll only hopefully ramp things up and um, and put more run out, which is great. What What were you doing for distribution beforehand? Uh, well, we had a, a Sydney sales team. There was just a, a group of, of uh, three or four of us who would be out on the road and, and out in – we all had our little territory that we looked after just around Sydney and up and down the, the north and south coast of New South Wales. And then we sort of worked with commission agents just in different sort of cities around the, the country um as as a way to just have the product available but that in itself is also a hard task because no one really has your your best interest at heart small commission agents are really sort of just they walk into a venue and open up a a a, a book and there's maybe 30 or 40 brands in there and and it's just sort of a a light conversation as to what you need but uh, we feel that with south trade that there's a whole different conversation because they they really were looking for a plug to fill um, a, a gap in their portfolio. They have, uh, you know, Starwood Australian whiskey. They have Mr. Black. They have Triple Six Vodka. They have Poor Tom's Gin. But they really were looking for the next um, rum brand to, to go out to market with, and, and that's where the conversation really came together. That we were both trying to sort of achieve the same thing, um, and we really feel like we'll have a, a solid presence in their portfolio. I don't want this to sound uh, bad all, but what's the what's the end? Um End goal for you guys as a as an ownership group who has this thing. Do mm. you want to go have this thing and own it for you know the rest of your days, or is it something you want to you mm. know get picked up by one of the big boys, you know, like a lion Nathan picking up four pillars, or you know, what's what's the goal there? How do you go about it? I'm sure it's not your everyday. Thing, um, look, like, we have this know, conversa- we have this conversation all the time. We're we're just no, we, it's not every day, but it's it's definitely a conversation we have all the time about what is the next step. Um, we've only ever taken each um, sort of uh, uh, section of our lifespan one section at a time. We yeah. don't like to look too far into the future because you sort of get ahead of yourself and you start to believe your own bullshit and it sort of becomes just this pipe dream that, that you know, you want to, you know, be in every bar in the world and you're sort of, you know, the world's biggest run, which is, you know, obviously never going to happen for us. We we know the, the, the size of, of our capacity. We know what we can what we can do and what we're uh, able to do with growth. 
but we really want to take our growth one stage at a time. And, and essentially, we started from, you know, the first 18 months of our existence was focused essentially only on our own bar, running our own yeah. bar and providing liquid for our own bar. And then we took a little step out to okay, let's let's go and um, let's go and supply some product out to Surrey Hills and Darlinghurst and Redfern, just sort of our neighbours, and sort of conquered that bit. And then we went out to wider Sydney, and then sort of you know didn't conquer it, but we definitely got a lot more presence out there. And then we started to look into state, and now we're at the stage where we have um, got ourselves to the point where we have um, enough uh, liquid and enough um, brand authenticity to. To be out in the market with uh, with South Trade as our head distributor, and and they can really take us to the next level here, and that's what we really want to do. And it's now our job as as um, as Bricks as the brand to go and support the South Trade team and be out in trade with with uh, education and tastings and trainings and and really sort of uh, backing them up in what they're trying to do with our with our brand. And and we're super excited for for that part of the journey because. Um, all of a sudden, the, the focus for us is off sales in a way, and we can now let them take care of that part of, of the yeah. journey, and the pressure is off, but the, the pressure now is to build our brand and to really uh, make Bricks the the sort of, hopefully, the, 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 the leader in Australian craft rum out in the market. So we're, we're yeah. trying to, you know, build our presence just in Australia, and at some stage down the track, our next stage, possibly, Hopefully, will be some sort of export um, program where we can where we can line up with with export uh, channels, um, and then that's as far as we we go. We don't we don't like to go too much further because we, like I said, you start to you know live in a dream and and um, you lose focus on what you're actually trying to do day to day. So yeah, so keeping that focus is important, I guess. Uh, in terms of other advice you might have Definitely. for anyone who was like looking to open a distillery, especially bartenders or people from hospital backgrounds, like like you had. Uh, how should they start, and and you know, what kind of what kind of ballpark cash figure should they be thinking about if they wanted to go start a brand and start a distillery? Hmm. Yeah, I think look, I think starting a brand and starting a distillery are, are, are sort of two different conversations. But I guess um, whether you're doing one or the other or both. Um, the key thing is to, like we used the word focus before, is to try and focus on what you're doing as much as possible. I, I, I don't think doing it on the side or doing it as a side gig is is really going to um, uh, allow you to achieve uh, uh, growth and achieve bigger things. I think it really is about focusing, putting your, your love and passion and effort into whatever you're creating uh, into the brand and into the, the you have to be out in, in the world and out in trade and talking to people and, and, you know, all hours of the day. I think I, I had um, <laughs> some really good advice from, from an industry colleague once who had, who was part of a, a, a bigger brand that had grown. And I said, I feel like I'm just t- saying the same thing over and over and over again, day in and day out. And he said to me, you know what, the day that stops is the day that you have stopped doing your job. So keep yeah. doing it. You have to keep doing it. There's no, no one that you ever want to talk to. Uh, you have to be talking to people about your brand every single day, every single minute, every single second. So uh, that's part of what we do. So be prepared. Uh, my advice would be be prepared for a, a lot of work, a lot of effort and a lot of talking and and show the passion behind what you do. Really, really get out there and live and breathe it and um, if you're looking to start something up, um, I think the dollar figure around a, a distillery with, with you know, 
um, you know, bricks and mortar and tanks and stills yeah. and all that sort of business is a lot different to starting a brand and maybe sourcing a liquid and, and building and developing a product. But, you know, I can safely say that, that um, starting a distillery and, and having enough uh, money in the bank to keep it running, keep it operating, especially if you're using, if you're talking about aid spirits, um, it's not a cheap exercise. That's <laughs> definitely, definitely uh, not the case. And um, uh, I couldn't even give you give you a number. I don't even want to think about the number that, that would have been um, spent. But getting started, you know, you'd be if you want a number for, for guys yeah. in trade. I know this is, a, this is a trade audience. So guys in yeah. trade who are looking at doing something, you probably wouldn't want to start with any anything less than than half a million bucks. I would say you would, you yeah. would get started with that and, and um, hopefully build something to, to get some money coming in um, to, to feed it. Yeah, that's a few weeks worth of tips, I reckon. Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> James Christopher, thank you so much for talking to me on Drinks at Work today. Thanks very much, Sam. Absolute pleasure. And um, everyone drink more Australian rum. Thanks to James for the chat and thank you to you for listening. And just a reminder, if you're enjoying these podcasts, then please share them with a friend. It really does help to get the word out. And give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get yours. I really do appreciate your support. Until next time, this has been Drinks at Work from Boothby.